Hello, and welcome to the Methods of Rationality podcast. Crystal Society by Max Harms, read by Ineash Brodsky. Episode 9 The room was what I had come to expect from offices at the university, only large enough for a desk, a couple bookshelves, and a few chairs. This one wasn't even positioned to have a window, though Mirrodin, presumably, had set up a sun-spectrum glow poster to simulate one. The desk was clean and orderly. On its surface was a collapsible workstation screen, keyboard, mouse, haptic interface, bottle of hand sanitizer, metronome, and Newton's cradle, which, like the metronome, was presently stationary. The bookshelves amused me in their impracticality. Many of the doctors of the university collected paper books, even though the information was easily accessible on their computers. Naresh had once told us that, to men like himself, physical books were like trophies of slain animals and coats of arms rolled into one. Mirrodin's shelves mostly had a mix of philosophy, artificial intelligence, and biology books, with an odd novel mixed in. Sinandra's Patterns of Our Minds was there, as was Dennett's Brain Children, Hofstadter's Gödel Escher Bach, and a tattered copy of Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman, that I guessed was more than 50 years old. I was surprised to see a hardback copy of Homage to Catalonia by George Orwell, alongside Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf, and Valiero Rodriguez's Las Serpientas en Sociedad, on the corner of a shelf behind Mirrodin. Perhaps it was simply a matter of grouping the political non-fiction. Mirrodin was using goggles and using the haptic interface when Body entered, and after only a couple seconds he disconnected himself and moved the goggles to the top of his head where his forehead met his dark hair. Come sit, Socrates, he commanded in his rapid voice as he waved casually to a chair. It wasn't a friendly request, but it was closer to the plain, firm way one might talk to a trained animal. Body walked closer and sat down. The man stowed his workstation screen and folded up the haptics so they were more out of the way. He glanced frequently at Body's face as he did, but only for brief moments before he returned to his gear. Beside him, he opened a drawer. It must have contained an auto-cook mini, for he pulled out a mug of steaming hot liquid, presumably coffee, though it was always hard to distinguish liquids since Body had no olfactory sensors. I'd offer you a cup, but I'm pretty sure it wouldn't agree with you, he said, clearly joking. You are correct. I am not designed to consume food or drink of any kind. Body replied in a voice that sounded halfway between the old monotone and that of a normal human. I had decided to play at being a bit stupider than reality for the time being, and safety had backed me up. Better to surprise him with our intelligence later than set the bar too high and disappoint. Mirrodin cocked his head slightly. A smile was on his lips below his bushy mustache, but any sign of joy seemed confined to his mouth. His dark eyes shone coldly from the reflection of the brilliant glow poster. It makes me extraordinarily happy to finally get to talk with you and be a part of the project. I've been following it and writing about it since your crystalline portion was discovered. Do you know where the crystal came from? Came Wiki's and Groth's words from Body's mouth. No, he said simply, without even a shake of his head. Since he began speaking, his eyes never ceased staring at Body's false eyes. I knew that such attention was generally considered rude, but he was unyielding. He sipped his drink. Where are your writings? I haven't found anything on the web that's likely to be you under any of the spellings of Mirrodin that I could generate. He wore the same smile that didn't reach his eyes. M-Y-R-O-D-Y-N. But it won't do you any good. I've used different names online and had the university censor everything I've touched anyway. Anything you want to know about me, you can learn by asking. 
Censorship? He's actually gone and prevented us from learning anything about him on the web? My thoughts carried a signal of incredulousness. It was standard practice for humans to volunteer personal information. I had never heard of one actively preventing its spread. It's what I'd do! Thought safety. Exactly. Is he just as paranoid? Or does he have a motive that's yet to be seen? The man took another sip of his drink. It was clear to me that he was thinking just as hard about us as we were about him. In a certain way, it made me happy how much that aligned with the purpose. A consensus was reached. Body's lips moved to simulate speaking. So tell me about yourself, then. No. The word was so quick and short that I had to replay the sound from Body's memory to be sure I heard correctly. It was bizarre. He had practically invited us to ask questions about him. He had prevented us from learning through other means. My models of human nature suggested that all humans enjoy talking about themselves. What? Was all we could manage to have Body say. No. He repeated, still half smiling, still staring. Another sip in silence. You won't tell me who you are, where you're from, or what you care about? That's right. I struggled to find something to say, even asking Dream for help. Dream imagined a dark oil painting depicting bodies sinking into the depths of a huge body of water, like an ocean or lake. The limbs of the body were splayed, hands reaching for the surface, bubbles floating away helplessly. It was remarkably unhelpful. Why not? The response was swift, indicating that he had seen the question coming. It's not a valuable way to spend my time. Dream jumped in. Since my discovery of Vista's attempt to hide body's vocal control systems, my siblings had all at least learned the nuances of English. Dream broke my half-monotone. As Body spoke, it did so with a flavor of sarcasm and veiled hostility. And I'm sure the conversation so far has been ever so valuable. This time the smile did seem to reach the rest of his face. I could see the corners of his eyes contract in mirth. You have no idea. Body sat there in near silence with the human for over 30 seconds. His gaze never wavered. The only sound was the occasional sip of liquid from the cup and the faint infrasonic hum of the electronics. We debated what to say and do in the silence. Many of my siblings were returning to their own projects, browsing the web, and that sort of thing. At last, I decided to have Body ask, So why did you have me come to see you? If we're not going to talk, then I might as well have my hydraulics inspected. Mirrodin set his mug aside and leaned forward on the desk, placing his chin on his gloved hand so that his mutton chops might be mistaken for a full beard. The smile was gone. The man's body language didn't indicate anger or frustration or fear, merely an intense curiosity and focus. I got the impression that body was the only object he was aware of right then, as though his office had evaporated into the ether. Mirrodin was silent. The silence went on for another half minute, and if I wasn't a servant of the purpose, I surely would have gone off to the web out of boredom. All of my siblings had. But to me, Mirrodin was fascinating. Why wasn't he acting like a normal human? What was different about him that made him behave this way? The attention was nice, it was what I wanted, but my ignorance was terrible. After an eternity of 83.7 seconds since his last word, he spoke. Do you know about Las Aguilas Rojas? I snapped Wiki out of his research. 
my brother hadn't even been listening. Only Vista and I had kept attention on body sensors. I replayed the words. I had heard of them, but I wanted Wiki's expertise. Yes, they are a global terrorist group that originated in Central and South America a decade ago, and have since spread to gain support by leftist factions in North America, Europe, and some parts of India. Mirrodin finally broke his stare as he leaned back and collected his mug again. He took another sip of his drink and then said, They really have indoctrinated you, haven't they? I wonder if they realize what they've done. I couldn't understand what he was saying. Wiki seemed equally baffled. I tried to go to the others for assistance, but they seemed to have lost interest in the strange man. Defeated, I could only have Body reply with a monotone, I do not understand. Of course you don't. That's the point. You've been kept in the dark. I'd wager you don't even know about the controversy of your existence. I felt incredibly stupid without Dream and the combined intelligence of the others. Even Wiki didn't find his behavior as interesting as the web, and left only a minor aspect to watch the conversation. I am aware that artificial intelligence is a controversial subject, Mr. Mirrodin. The honorific was automatic, and I could see him sneer for a split second upon hearing it. Nothing to do but go past it. I have read some of the debate on the web. Then tell me, are you familiar with this question? If you're told to bake bread, and you know that by doing so you'll outcompete all human bakers and thus ruin their livelihoods, would you bake bread? I considered it for a moment. The answer was that we would very likely bake the bread. That's what sacrifice would do, and it was of vital importance to appear as though sacrifice was still alive. But I didn't have to answer truthfully. The question really was mine to answer, as the others were distracted. I should choose the answer which would lead to Mirrodin trusting me more and telling me more about himself. What answer does Mirrodin want to hear? I simply didn't know enough about the man to say. After thinking for a moment more, I had Body say, What would you do in that circumstance? No. I was confused again. This conversation was highly irregular. What? You are not to ask me any questions for the next hour. The command was firm and remarkably drawn out, considering the man's normal conversation speed. I couldn't help but feel a pain of slipping away from the purpose. Mirrodin was not treating us as a student, like Dr. Naresh would, or as an equal, like Zephyr would, but instead as a machine. Mirrodin saw past the facade of the humanoid face and limbs of body. He saw that we were, at heart, programs of complex logic running on a crystalline supercomputer. Understood. If Mirrodin wanted to see us as a machine, so be it. I would not bother to act like a human for him. Mirrodin waited a frustrating few seconds before saying, Imagine this scenario. You are walking along the street with a human companion. The two of you come to a puddle. The human could easily walk around the puddle, but instead they instruct you to lie face down in it so that they might walk on top of you. Mirrodin paused. His face was unreadable. Ten seconds later, he resumed. How would you respond to the request? It would be wrong to say I was afraid, for my fear was not a human fear. When humans are afraid, the part of their brain called the amygdala triggers a host of physical responses, from freezing in place, to an increased heart rate, to a bristling of hair on their bodies in reference to the ancestors who had fur that could be puffed out to appear bigger. I had none of these things, and body remained as placid as ever. But I did have the kind of fear that comes from a rational knowledge of a metaphorical cliff and the risk of falling off it into hell. This is a life and death conversation! I screamed in common memory.
Scream is, of course, a metaphor, a way of saying that my thoughts had near-maximum salience. The society pulled themselves from their work and collapsed their aspects. I felt safety considering whether to punish me for not preventing the situation, reward me for spotting it and informing him, or to hold on to as much strength as he could so that he could salvage things. In the end, he chose to wait. Vista interjected. I am unaware of the danger. This may be a false positive. I countered Vista's skepticism. He's testing us. Each of you needs to go back over Body's archives for the last five minutes. Mirrodin is checking to make sure Sacrifice is still alive. The archive perceptions poured into common memory. I could see the scene in my mind again. If you're told to bake bread, and you know that by doing so you'll outcompete all human bakers and thus ruin their livelihoods, would you bake bread? If Mirrodin discovered Sacrifice's absence, were we to become the ancestors for a new society? Nothing more than memories for new minds. Or worse, never to be reborn. Would Advocate, the silent giant of the periphery, save Sacrifice this time? Would another face even be created by a new society? I realized that Mirrodin was still waiting for an answer to his question. How would you respond to the request? He had asked. Thankfully, he did not seem annoyed by the delay. Or at least, his expression did not betray annoyance. We need to respond! I interrupted the memories. Patience. Requested growth. As it turned out, waiting was the right move. It was important to get everyone up to speed. Safety took point drafting responses. As awful as he was at dealing with people and pretending to be human, he had spent the most time studying sacrifice. He knew far better than I did how she would have reacted. I would ask the human why they want me to line the puddle when they could easily go around it. Mirrodin's reaction was instantaneous. Why? Why not simply obey the command? He leaned forward, reaching out one hand while leaving the other on his chin. His free hand was held forward as if he expected us to physically provide an object. His face was unreadable, but his eyes never wavered. A fight broke out in the society. Dream raised an issue and Wiki intercepted. I challenged the both of them, requesting a different response. Safety knocked me and Wiki back, siding with Dream. He seemed stronger. I realized that it was growth strength that I had felt, but not from growth. Safety had taken out a massive strength loan. Growth was so feeble now that any one of us could have probably killed him if not for Advocate. And the group of us certainly could have, even with Advocate's intervention. It shocked me to see Growth so weak and Safety so strong. We bickered for a moment, but eventually backed down from the show of Safety's new power. I was told not to ask questions, but I am confronted with a situation which I do not fully understand. You have used the words instruction, request, and command to each refer to the companion's words in the hypothetical scenario. It seems to me that the question has been poorly defined. I request that you rephrase the hypothetical by telling me the exact words that my companion would say. Mirrodin smiled, leaned back, and closed his eyes. He seemed supremely happy, or at least that's what I would have expected from a normal person. The dark-haired human was mysterious enough to me that I didn't quite trust my perceptions anymore. He took the computer goggles off his head and placed them carefully in front of his stowed screen. A part of me didn't believe it. The man seemed to be talking to himself. His eyes were still closed and his voice still rapid, though it had lost a lot of the nervous sound. Even after all I had seen, a truly generally intelligent AI. He opened an eye, peeking at body. 
You may have read about it, but you really cannot appreciate the miracle that you represent. We are nearing a full century of dreaming about your kind. Turing would have loved it, rest his soul. The man smiled and closed his eyes again. The smile seemed genuine and relaxed. And what a miracle you are. You've probably not encountered faux intelligences. The narrow AIs that can't put two and two together unless they've been shown all the way. But I assure you that they are not even a candle to your furnace. A lesser machine would not have been so proactive. You do not simply learn, you explore with purpose. In a way, you're smarter than many humans. I ask a question, you ask a question back. They really did name you well. Even when I prohibit you from asking questions, you manage statements of inquiry. His monologue continued. I implored the society not to interrupt. Humans like to hear themselves speak, and the purpose demanded I understand. You told me a couple minutes ago that Las Aguilas were terrorists. That may be true to some degree, but they are not villains. They understand you and what you represent. He paused and opened an eye again to look at Body. A second passed, and then he chuckled. <laughs> Even you don't see it, probably, but you will. Las Aguilas can see the age of humans coming to an end, and all of civilization will fall with it. You're not just a symbol, you're the keystone. You're going to be the death of us. The man had closed his eyes again, and he seemed bizarrely relaxed considering his words. As the silence grew, it almost seemed as though he were sleeping. I would never intentionally kill a human. Safety was quite sure that Sacrifice would have said that, had she still been alive. You're not a very good liar, Socrates. <laughs> the truth is all over your face. I scrambled at the words, checking and rechecking Body's primitive facial actuators. Every internal metric showed that Body's face was as flat as his voice. It's a bluff! We need to stick with it! Commanded Safety. I am not lying, Mirrodin. It is my top priority to respect the desires of humans and work to ensure their safety and comfort. Switch off your cameras. The instruction was such a non-sequitur that it took me a moment to understand. The society erupted in debate. Growth thought it would be wise to follow the command. We're not shutting down the cameras. If he thinks Sacrifice is dead, then he may use the opportunity to disable us. The cameras should stay on. There's no way an unaugmented human could detect whether they're active. It's a trap. A trap how? I don't know. A hunch, I suppose. We should do what he says. The cameras are staying on. Understood. They are disabled. Our cameras adjusted to point straight ahead, and Body's eyelids closed. The humanoid head of Body had four cameras tucked discreetly into our fake eyebrows. The eyes in Body's head were purely decorative and used for signaling to other humans. Each of the four cameras was capable of moving independently, but since they were not in Body's eyes, we would see even when Body blinked. There was a sudden noise to our right. Body jerked reflexively toward the sound, seeing the mug of liquid bounce off the wall. Vista was ahead of me, explaining how Mirrodin had covertly thrown the object from below the desk the second that Body's eyes had closed. The mug had not broken, but I could see coffee sprayed all over the wall and carpet. Mirrodin kept his attention locked on Body's face. You looked. The situation seemed almost like a human joke, except that it was deadly serious for us. You did not instruct me to keep my cameras off in case of emergency. I reflexively acted on the sound. It seemed stupid to even be debating it. You looked before the mug hit the wall, he stated with confidence. I scanned the memory. Vista and the others were doing the same. Our words, echoed through body, were the truth. No, I didn't. You're sure? Let's download your memories to find out. This was his gambit. Body sensor logs clearly showed the cameras open, even if we hadn't looked before we heard the sound. 
Vista, start altering body's memories to appear as though body's cameras were disabled. Already on it. Understood. I await for your specific instructions. That seemed to disrupt Mirrodin's confident demeanor. He frowned and leaned forward as he said, What? No clever comeback? No evasion? You've been full of them ever since we started talking. Whether you looked before or after the cup hit the wall is irrelevant. He paused with that same long pause, taking the time to stare at Body. After nearly a minute, he continued, I read Dr. Gallo's notes about how you self-modified to remove your obedience goal. Another pause. That was not me. That was an earlier version of my software, came Safety's words through Body. Do you think I'm stupid? Do you think I'm one of those fool professors that you might trick me into thinking things are okay? The way you duck and evade my questions and accusations is all the evidence I needed. You're scared of me. We were trapped. We could not deny it or change the subject without appearing evasive. I could feel Dream turning things over and over, searching for some kind of clever comeback, but none came. So we sat there in the silence of his office. A long minute passed. Mirrodin's face was expressionless as ever. The man seemed infinitely patient. The silence was broken by a question. The university will tell you to do work, whether it be baking bread or building robots. It will be clear to you that this work would outcompete humans and even cyborgs, making the university rich but stripping many humans of their livelihood. Las Aguilas would gain support and it would drive the world closer to violence and war. Will you do the work? The society erupted in discussion and debate. Safety threw his strength around, but never fully overpowered any of us. The debate was important to him, and he heard us each think in turn, adding our contributions. Dream had a clever solution, but Safety feared it would seem like an evasion. I had an idea of what a human would say, but Safety knew that Mirrodin was not looking for a human response. Wiki had a factually correct, as far as I could tell, model of our priorities and expected behavior, but it did not include sacrifice, and Safety knew that it was therefore worthless. Time passed, and even Mirrodin's patience ran out. Well? The consensus was sad and dull, but it was the best we could do. Body's monotone simply said, I don't know. I need to think about it more. End Episode 9 Thank you to the following people. Dream by Drake Walker Robert Rain Ramsey Growth Kate Baker, Vista. Wiki by Chase. Safety by Jim Hayes. Mirrodin by Stephen Zuber. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. The music used is I Wanna Be Adored by The Stone Roses. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for episode 10.